Okay, hello, and we are back. I said in this segment I wanted to discuss the murder of Arliss Perry and the Process Church. In last Wednesday's AMA, I was talking about Arliss Perry, and somebody left a comment saying that her murder had been solved, and I have two responses to that. But first, I would like to uh, have an introduction that has been written by InsideHook.com. After 44 years, DNA solved the satanic murder of Arliss Perry, was she the only victim? And I think that that title encapsulates my response to um, the murder of Arliss Perry being solved so very well, because number one, I was familiar with this article at the time I received that comment, but at the same time, I was still discussing her murder because here's why people do not like Maury Terry. Here's why the skeptics do not like Maury Terry. I absolutely love his type of thinking, being clear about that, is because even if a murder is solved, you can add on this additional layer to it, and then you can incorporate that into your theory, where you can say, okay, the murder was solved, but this person who committed the murder, well, they are also part of the shadow network of cult-like activity. The conspiracy theory can always become bigger. You can always add a new participant into it. But um, I would like to... Read some things from this article here. Her assailant committed suicide. Police want to know if he was a serial killer. And this one was written by Steve Huff. One more time, InsideHook.com. Early on the morning of October 12, 1974, a security guard named Steve Crawford found Arliss Perry, age 19, in the transept of the Stanford University Memorial Church. The scene was gruesome and bizarre. She lay near the altar, nude below the waist. Someone had driven an ice pick into her skull. An altar candle lay between her breasts, and another one jutted out of her vagina. Police suspected a ritual, possibly satanic element. In the early 1970s, something so weird didn't seem impossible. The Manson family had raged through Southern California just five years before, Killer cults weren't unheard of. For a time, they suspected her husband, Bruce Perry, and um, Arliss Perry was only 19 when she was murdered, and she had only been married to Bruce Perry for two months. That's something to remember. But by 2018, cold case investigators knew for sure that it was the work of the man who found her. Longtime suspect Stephen Blake Crawford. Conclusive DNA evidence in hand, they closed in to arrest Crawford on June 28th. The now elderly man committed suicide in front of them. Crawford, much like the alleged Golden State Killer Joseph D'Angelo, didn't set off to many alarm bells for those who knew him. Neighbors thought D'Angelo to be a cranky but strange and still, but still sometimes considerate and a helpful neighbor. Crawford's landlord said the retiree was a good guy, never had any problems. Someone who had nice bronze statues of Indians and horses. She didn't know the statues were reminiscent of crimes for which Crawford was arrested in. Thefts committed in 1992, as well as thefts committed in the 1970s of rare books and art from Stanford's libraries, particularly the anthropology department. A series of thefts didn't necessarily make Steve Crawford a homicidal psychopath, of course. Plenty of thieves are troubled in other ways, or simply greedy. The especially perverse nature of Perry's murder prompted an understandable question. 
did Crawford stop with her? It's a logical question, even if you look at just the handful of similarities Crawford had to a couple of other serial killers in that decade, like the Golden State Killer, Dennis Rader, also known as BTK, as well. Crawford was a military vet who had once been an armed police officer. His job had been reduced to unarmed security, reported Palo Alto Online. Okay, well, sometimes the person who has found the body actually is the guy, but I don't think this has stopped people from talking about the murder of Arliss Perry because they say very clearly that they can just now say that this guy, Steve Crawford, well, he was an active participant in the shadow network of cult-like activity. And um, as you did hear there, he committed suicide. But here's another thing from the article. What about the satanic aspect? If Crawford committed the other murders, it was likely a diversion meant to steer suspicion away from him. Murders with an unholy element aren't unheard of, though. The satanic elements must be regarded with skepticism in most, especially those that occurred in the 1980s. Satan worshippers have long been accused of the most heinous crimes when frequently staging of certain crimes, like Perry's, really intended to divert suspicion from the real killer. I think you can get where this article is going, saying that why would somebody commit this ritual-esque style murder? as a diversion to confuse the authorities, and I do agree that things like that happen, but um, Maury Terry was more about the symbols, or um, that this murder of Arliss Perry is the link between um, the West Coast and the East Coast, and he said that the Son of Sam symbol was also, also used in that one. Now, now, as I said, though, in the Sons of Sam documentary, they really didn't talk too much about the murder of Arliss Perry, because I think they're going down the pathway that was just laid out by um, that article there that, okay, it's been solved, it was the security guard, and they want to leave her out of it. Instead, they said that the link between Manson and Berkowitz is the Process Church, so let's hear a little bit about them. The Process Church of the Final Judgment was one of the most interesting religious organizations of the 20th century. And just citing the source here, this is from a website that I had never heard of before called BurningAmbulance.com. Formed by Robert de Grimston and his wife Marianne McLean in 1966, after having been ejected from the Church of Scientology, the group initially established themselves in the Mayfair section of London. You know, um, in 1966, that's a very important year because that is also the time when the Church of Satan was founded, and this is the rise of Anton LaVey, which was a counter to the hippie movement. They created a sensation on the street, and in the always sensation-hungry British press, because of their stark and striking visual sense, their symbol, four PSs, assembled into a square, that looked like an iron cross or a swastika, attracted the attention, as did many members. The group published and sold its own magazine, which included reviews and interviews with people ranging from Mick Jagger to William Burroughs. They migrated from England to the Bahamas and then to Mexico before landing in the U.S., though they were established in additional chapters in Germany, Italy, and Canada. There were never more than a few hundred processions at a time, but the group was a superb media-manipulating establishment, and they had relationships with celebrities that would gain them greater public attention.
Now, some other points that Sons of Sam shared were that the process church would also go on to splinter and break into these smaller factions, and that is also something very complicated and becomes the fodder for conspiracy theories because they can say, all right, David Berkowitz wasn't actually interacting with the process church. He was acting interacting with this other different smaller group of that was originally the process church but now it's own it's its own uh, splinter cell and yeah so that type of thinking can happen do i genuinely believe that berkowitz committed all of the murders i think that i have to say no and was there a group effort involved with the um Son of Sam Killings. I want to say that yes, there was. Were the was the Carr family involved? Yes, I want to say that they were. And um even the suicide once they started looking into one of the Carr brothers, that's something. And the whole Son of Sam things, well, their father their father is Sam, not Berkowitz. I do not believe that there the Harvey the dog had anything to do with it. If we can say one thing, Harvey was innocent. But the more important question is Charles Manson linked to David Berkowitz? I think that Manson is much more about Scientology and that Charles Manson um, used his Scientology tactics that he had learned in prison to manipulate people. And he was someone who wasn't too good at reading, but he could spell his own name. I heard him do that in a parole hearing. And he had also knew how to extract information out of people, and how to be very manipulative. But did he actually belong to the process church? I think what Charles Manson would be more involved with is um, drug dealing, pimping out the girls of the Manson family, and possibly pornography that could have taken place, although I can't exactly give you too many definitive stories on how that it was involved. But then who would be involved with that? members of the elite circles, and we know that Manson committed the most famous crime attributed to him against members of the elite circles, Sharon Tate, Jay Sebring, Abigail Folger, Wojtek Frakowski, Stephen Parent. Not all of those people are elites, but Abigail Folger, Jay Sebring, and Sharon Tate definitely were. Abigail Folger was the heiress to the Folger's coffee fortune, Sharon Tate was a famous actress, and Jay Sebring was the hairdresser to the stars. As far as um, the LaBiancas go, they uh, may have had some connections to some type of corrupt en entity, and then you have the Tate-LaBianca murders taking place in a very short time frame. This is all back in 1969, though, well before the Son of Sam slayings. So I think Manson would have been involved with elite circles, and drug dealing, prostitution, criminal behavior. David Berkowitz seems to be connected to people, the 22 disciples of hell, who are involved in what? Drug dealing, prostitution, maybe pornography, criminal behavior. This is why I do not always like conspiracy theorists, because sometimes they're completely right. But in many ways, the truth is not as outrageous as they make it to be. They put all of these outrageous ribbons on the truth. Corruption exists. Power-hungry people exist. People do things because they think they're going to get away with it. People who are in positions of power abuse their 
power, and when they have access to large amounts of money and resources and political connections, they're also going to do things like hire prostitutes and escorts and um, make weird pornography films because they can get away with it. But all of these criminal behaviors, well, that's just it. Yeah, crime happens, and sometimes powerful people are involved with that crime. Is this really anything dark and mysterious? It could be. It could be. I'm very skeptical of the occult rituals that are associated with David Berkowitz, Charles Manson, or any members of the government, but it doesn't mean that they don't exist. I'm also skeptical of the Nazi connections, although I do, I do have a very high regard for May Brussel. But if you've listened to this far into the show, what do you think about that? Um, I do think that the conspiracy theorists may be very correct about David Berkowitz, but the picture is not as outrageous as they're making it to be. Please put your idea in the comments section below, and you know how to get in touch with the show, and always feel free to check out the Teespring page. Remember, being weird is not a crime. Alright, that's all for me now. I'll see you on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.